Welcome to ASHTA Resource Q&A. We're taking time to discuss construction materials testing and inspection with people in the know. From exploring testing problems and solutions to laboratory best practices and quality management, we're covering topics important to you. Now, here's our host, Brian Johnson. Welcome to ASHTO Resource q and I'm Brian Johnson. With me, as always, is Kim Swanson. Yes, I am. And we have another FAQ episode today. Are you excited for this, Brian? Always. I love the FAQ episodes. I know. I like them, too. So we're going to talk today about something that I'm sure if you're a regular listener to the podcast or even a casual listener that you may have heard us mention but might not know what exactly we're talking about. So, Brian, what is the ATG we keep talking about? Yeah, the ATG is the Ashto Resource Administrative Task Group. Now, who is in the ATG is probably the biggest question that people have. And is it a real thing? Let me start with it. It is a real thing. It is not just a uh, Wizard of Oz scenario where we are just saying that there is this oversight committee that doesn't exist, but it's really just me saying, okay, yeah, I, I agree. Like, let me talk to the manager, but it's really me. So what the ATG is, it's a, the entire ATG is comprised of state materials engineers who serve on the AASHTO committee on materials and pavements. So that is called COMP, used to be called the Subcommittee on Materials. Now that group managed the AASHTO standards like AASHTO T30 or AASHTO R18, any of those standards, those are the people who vote, submit ballots and approve what is published in the AASHTO standards. There is a subgroup of those members that serve on the ATG. It, it is a rotating position. They volunteer their time to be on both a steering committee for the Committee on Materials and Pavements and the ATG. So what we've got is we've got a chair of the ATG that they are recommended and approved by the steering committee and the uh, the chair of the committee on materials and pavements and the chair interacts with us a lot so any accreditation decisions that require review sometimes it's a the credentials of someone who is not a professional engineer that where we need to determine whether they are education experience is judged to be equivalent for the purposes of the laboratory maintaining ASHTO accreditation. The ATG chair often makes those decisions. If a laboratory didn't perform so well on an assessment and we recommend that they receive a surveillance assessment, that is approved by the ATG chair based on information we provide, which would be objective evidence on what occurred during the assessment that led to us thinking that they need more surveillance or observation to make sure that they're doing what they are supposed to do. There are a lot of other decisions that come into play too. Uh, if we're going to recommend a refusal of service that goes through the ATG, basically anything that's not just standard programmatic stuff uh, ends up going through the ATG chair and potentially the entire ATG. So what we do is we would say we'd prepare some information for them with objective evidence and ask for an opinion from the ATG chair. 
So the ATG chair would then interact with us, let us know what they think. Sometimes they'll say, I'm not sure, let's take this to the whole committee, and then that happens. They really provide the direction for the accreditation program on how to do things the way that the AASHTO members want them to be done, because ultimately we are serving the needs of the AASHTO members, the State Department's transportation. We're carrying out the accreditation program on their behalf so that there does not need to be equivalent accreditation program in all 50 states in the District of Columbia. That makes sense <laughs> to me, but I'm work for Ashto, so that could not make sense to other people. And hopefully we can clear things up as we go into it. Do we ever let people know who is made up on the ATG or is that information restricted? They could figure that out. We don't volunteer it because we really don't want the laboratory interacting directly with the ATG, especially the chair, because number one, the chair is extremely busy. They're volunteering their time for this. And if they want to argue about fairness or objectivity of the decision-making, they can relay that to us and we can convey it to the chair. But we don't want them haranguing the chair to get what they want out of it. There are times when people aren't really satisfied with the decision because they, they maybe don't think it's important. But I can't really think of a time where somebody has really said, hey, this is completely unfair. You didn't operate in the way that you were supposed to. It's usually about, we don't think this is that important and should be evaluated as strictly as you've done it. And in those cases, they certainly have a right to appeal when it comes to revocation or denial of accreditation. And we do have processes where they can be heard. And that would, the first level appeal always goes to the entire ATG. So they get the opinions of of other members of the ATG. I didn't even get into that yet. So the, <laughs> the ATG members, so you've got the chair, and then you've got four regional vice chairs. So the AASHTO committee is broken up into four regions. You've got a Northeast, a Southeast, you've got a Midwest, and then you've got a Western side. And the Western side is enormous. It's it's covered covers a lot of ground, but it allows us to have a, a distribution regionally for the decision-making. And, and I'd say among the, the four regional chairs, the chair of the ATG and the chair of the of comp, you get a, a really good, fair evaluation for whatever the situation is. They all bring their knowledge and experience into the decision-making process. And there's often some interesting discussions and they really, if, if anybody ever goes through this process, they're getting a really fair shake at their appeal. They take it very seriously and they operate in a, in a highly ethical manner, uh, even if, and, and we do too. I mean, if, if somebody's questioning whether we did things correctly, we will certainly call ourselves into question and present an objective case to the ATG and say, hey, this is what happened. Typically, if we make a mistake, it probably won't need to go that far because we would resolve the situation without it having to go through an appeal if we definitely made a mistake. But um, if it was unclear, we'd still present it objectively to the ATG so that the proper decision can be made. 
some things that we've talked about. I just want to let listeners know there's other resources. We did have a whole uh, podcast episode, ep- season one, episode 22, about the Ashto Committee on Materials and Pavements. So if you want to know more about that, that episode is um, out there for everybody, as well as we do have pr- policies and guidance documents about the appeals process. So if you want to go into more depth about that, we have those listed on our website. So I just wanted to make sure people knew about those things as well. So how often are you interacting with the ATG on accreditation decisions on a daily or weekly basis, Brian? Well, it it depends, like everything. It depends on what's going on. So we'll have times. I think when, when the current ATG chair volunteered, I indicated that it wasn't that often because it really wasn't that often at the time. And then things quickly ramped up for the ATG chair. And I I hope that he understands that. I think by now he understands that that was a temporary situation because the last few months we have barely reached out to him for anything. There There haven't been too many strange situations going on, but we had so many appeals for different things over the last, I'd say year and a half. We had way more than we had had up to that point. And it was surprising to me that it had been happening, but it does take more time from the ATG chair. And there have been more strange situations going on. So it's been a fair amount, but I reached out to him this week about something, but I don't think I had reached out to him for several weeks before that. So it it hasn't been too frequent recently. And I'm running out of questions to ask, but I think I might be too close to this. I feel like you've answered all the questions, but is there anything else that you want listeners to know or our customers to know about the ATG and what they do and how it incorporates the Astro Accreditation Program? Yeah, I would say one other thing. So I mentioned the appeals process before and how the ATG is involved. There's actually a second level appeal too. And what that is, is you know the first level appeal is something that we handle with paperwork and written explanations. The second level appeal is actually an in-person conversation. So it's a hearing and the ATG chair is not actually involved in it since the ATG chair led the decision-making process in the first level appeal. So you get a fresh set of eyes on the situation with a second level appeal. And again, it is going to be other members of the committee that volunteer, but those volunteers are not on the ATG. They are, uh, I often, like when we go through the second level appeals process, I have to train them on some policies and procedures associated with the AASHTO accreditation program if they're not familiar and allow them to ask some questions. We bring them up to speed on whatever the situation is. And then during the second level appeal conversation or hearing, they just allow that laboratory to talk about what they want to talk about and present their case. They ask some questions. I'm on those calls as well, but I generally don't intervene unless there is a misstatement made that contradicts the facts. Or uh, if the members of the appeal panel ask me a question about the process during that call. So that really provides an extra level of objectivity to the accreditation process. And I think it's a great process. We've done a few of those over the last two years, and I found them all to be worthwhile. And I will say that in those appeals, I'll give one example without being too specific, but there was a refusal of service 
where someone's, uh, it was an ethical concern, repeated occurrences of uh, falsification had occurred at the laboratory. And those are tough because those are really kind of a fundamental problem with that laboratory when it happens more than once. And what happened is there, they went through the first level of appeal and were not successful. So they were still refused services by the program. Now, after they got that decision, they made some sweeping changes. And it took a while for them to, to make those changes, but eventually they were prepared to go through a second level appeal. With those changes, they wanted to get they wanted to get better. They wanted to do things the right way. So they went through the second level appeal process. There were a lot of questions asked by the panel members. And eventually that laboratory was provided a path forward uh, whereby they could be able to receive services again and prove that they had made those changes. So it wasn't a total flip of the decision where the, they were totally overturned, but it did allow that laboratory a chance to participate again and show the changes that they made. So I think that that is a success. And I like when those things happen because we are all, as, as you've heard many times in these podcasts, we are all about continual improvement. We are not trying to shut anybody out. If they're willing to do the work and make the changes and do what needs to be done to provide quality services, then they are certainly welcome with open arms back into the program. So I'd say that's a win. I love when things work out in a, in a positive way and we can get a good resolution. Yeah, so we talked a lot about the accreditation program in the ATG, but what role does the ATG have in the other ASHTO resource programs for the laboratory assessment program and the proficiency sample program, just to name a few of the other big ones? Well, they are the ASHTO resource administrative task group, so you are correct. They do have input into all of the decisions that are made. Now, we don't get into the minutia with them. But if we were going to say, okay, one good example is we've got some big changes happening with the proficiency sample program next year. That is something that our proficiency sample program manager, John Molusky, he put something together to show them. And, and at one of our meetings with them, he explained what he wanted to do. And they had a conversation about whether they supported that. And they did. So we are moving forward. But it, let's say he did that and they said, you know, John, this is a terrible idea. We don't want you to do this. We would not move forward with it. So anything that's a big change, they would sign off on. Likewise, with the assessment program, the entire change to remote or virtual assessments, that was all conveyed to the oversight committee which I, I use Oversight Committee and Administrative Task Group or ATG, they're synonymous. Uh, most people understand what an Oversight Committee is, but if I say the Administrative Task Group, all sorts of different thoughts come up about what that means. But yeah, so that that whole process, so like we had a lot of internal meetings to decide how that was gonna go with the virtual assessments, how they'd be used, what would be covered, what wouldn't be covered. Maria Kanaki, the, the manager of the laboratory assessment program, put together a, a presentation and went over it with the ATG members, answered questions, and the program continued to evolve based on the questions and comments that, that we got from them. And 
they ultimately were happy with it. We, they've been given updates on how things are going. The DOTs are also ASHTO accredited, so they've gone through the process themselves and have gotten to hear more about what happens from their laboratory staff. And the process has continued to evolve through discussions with the ATG members. So they're really an integral part of the operation of the ASHTO resource and the ASHTO accreditation program. All right. Well, thank you so much for answering all of the questions I had and even the ones that I didn't about the ATG today. So thank you so much for sharing that knowledge, Brian. I hope through listening to this that people understand how much accountability there is for ASHTO resource and the ASHTO accreditation program from our oversight committee. It's really important to us that we operate in a way that that meets their needs and upholds their requirements and their standards for ethical and quality requirements. So I hope that people understand that. We, we take it seriously when it comes to, to getting their approval and making sure that we're carrying out these programs so that they don't have to have duplicative efforts at the state level. I think that's what I had hoped people would get out of this. If you have any other questions about this, feel free to ask me at any time. Johnson at ashtoresource.org is my email address. And Kim, thanks for asking me these questions. Thanks for listening to Ashto Resource Q&A. If you'd like to be a guest or just submit a question, send us an email at podcast at ashtoresource.org or call Brian at 240-436-4820. For other news and related content, check out Ashto Resource's Twitter feed or go to ashtoresource.org.